tonight to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. I have tossed and turned about this. And uh, I don't have any funny stories. I don't have any good illustrations. This is just a straight Bible message. Uh, something that I saw in the scriptures a, a number of years ago and have developed is actually a two-part lesson, so I'm going to narrow it down to one. So sometimes I will have you turn in scriptures, and sometimes I will just read scriptures to you. But I would, I would ask you, if you've got a piece of paper and a pen, get it out, because I want you to write some of this down. Uh, first off, before I, I get started on anything, I want to say thank you. Thank you to the Dunbars for inviting us, Pastor Dunbar for inviting us, Cheryl and I, to come out. Uh, thank you for uh, Debbie and Joy for hosting us and entertaining us, and John entertaining us. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a treat. He, he, we, had to, we had to offer we could either stay in a hotel or we could stay with the Dunbars. Why would I want to stay in a hotel when I can stay with the Dunbars and get free entertainment? So I appreciate that. And thank you for uh, your goodness, your friendship, your fellowship. We look forward to coming here. This is our home away from home when we're out on the East Coast, up, up in the New York area. We look forward to seeing what God is doing in your lives playing piano specials and the young people up here singing. It's just a blessing and encouragement every time that we, we come out here. And then on behalf of all of us, the love offering was far above and beyond what anybody ever thought or expected. I mean, you come into a meeting like this and you have no expectations whatsoever. But uh, I was not... Pastor has shared with us over the years, you know, you'll never guess what the church did. So I, I've heard of, of some of your offerings from before, and uh, but anyway, I I'm looking at y'all, and I don't know where the money came from, honestly. I mean, it's not it's not like somebody. Yeah, well, I realize that God sold, uh, God gave it to you, but it's not like somebody sold the farm. You know, <laughs> it wasn't like he auctioned off one of your kids or something. I, I, I you know. We're all just everyday people with just normal jobs. It's not like we've got doctors and lawyers and, and all that stuff. But thank you for your sacrificial giving. I mean, it, 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 uh, I just can't say it enough, so I won't say any more. But thank you, thank you, thank you. You are, you are really a blessing to uh, Brother Rick Matthews and uh, Brother John Mills and to Cheryl and I. And uh, it just it gives you kind of that shot in the arm to say, yeah, I guess I'm not reti- ready to retire yet. There, there's, there's people that still love God, that still want the, the, the word to go out around the world and everything. So, in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, uh, this can be a very depressing book. If you ever read through Ecclesiastes, you're, if you're feeling down in the dumps at all, do not read this. I mean, you, you, will, you will just say, oh, I think I'm just going to go to my bed and wait to die. Uh, I mean, it, it just talks about our vain life and, and everything. But uh, so I'm I'm kind of picking and choosing uh, two verses here, Ecclesiastes chapter three, beginning in verse 22, the last verse there in the chapter. Said, uh, well, let's read verse 21. This one is for Cheryl. Who knoweth the and for uh, for joy for Cheryl and joy? Who knoweth the spirit of man that goeth upward, and the spirit of the beast that go downward to to the earth? 
I guess there are no dogs in going to heaven. <laughs> Just thought I'd let you know. Oh, my, my little poochie's up there in heaven. He's waiting for me. Cats never would make it under no circumstances whatsoever. <laughs> okay, let's get serious. We're, we're in church. Verse 22. Wherefore, I perceive that there is nothing better than that a man should rejoice in his own works, for that is his portion. For who shall bring him to see what shall be after him? You can, you can kind of see what takes place after somebody passes. I, I've, been at a, I've been at several funerals here recently, but I've also heard about some, and just the, the absolute chaos that sometimes takes place after mom or dad or mom and dad both die, and then it's, well, what did we get out of it? I mean, it's it, it, it just sad, and I hate to say it, but some of it has been Christians that I've listened to that they couldn't wait to find out. But it, it, goes, it says there, for, that, uh, for, for who shall bring him to see what shall be after him? Have you invested wisely in your children and in your grandchildren, so that at the your home going, that there's, yes, sorrow of heart, but there's rejoicing. We know where dad is. We know where mom is. We know where Aunt Diane is. We know where Uncle Bob is because they left a clear testimony. Don't, don't leave family lingering and hanging on and saying, well, I think he was saved, but I don't know. It was kind of off and on. It was kind of hit and miss. I'm not, really, I'm not really sure, but I think that's the wrong, that's the wrong response. But who, who's going to show him what shall be after him? I hope that you have a good enough relation with your family that when you do pass off the scene, there is sorrow of heart, but they, there's rejoicing in that they know that you're in heaven and in glory, but there isn't a big squabble and fight over, well, who gets this and who gets that? My, my mom, when she passed, my mom was a games player, and so she had set it up. We had instructions after the funeral. We were all supposed to go over to mom's house. And uh, so we get over there, and she left us instructions, and it was supposed to go from oldest to youngest that the oldest one could go pick something that they wanted. And then it went down from there. Uh, just my sister and myself. And then it uh, and then it went through the uh, uh, you know through the rest of the family. Well, when it comes Jeremy's turn. Oh, there's a multitude. My, my grandma, she was not a hoarder, but uh, my grandma, my mom, she was not a hoarder, but she had some nice things and she had some old family things and everything. Jeremy picked my dad's deer head. The ten, the twelve-point buck that was hanging down in the basement. My mom got tired of looking at it, and she put it down in the basement. And that's what Jeremy picked. And Heather's saying, "What? <laughs> you picked the deer head?" <laughs> so even after mom passed, we were still having a mini party and laughing at the choices that 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 some people make. For who shall bring him to see what shall be after him? Notice there that who comes before what. Turn over to Ecclesiastes chapter 6 and verse 12. For who knoweth what is good for man in this life all the days of his vain life which he spendeth as a shadow? 
For who can tell a man what shall be after him under the sun? The title of the message is, Who Comes Before What? Father, I ask in these next few minutes that you'll guide my tongue, that I'll be able to speak and think clearly and say those things that are pleasing in your sight. And Lord, that it'll be a, a, it'll be a help and an encouragement and some guidelines for every one of us that's sitting here paying attention tonight. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. That's why I said take out, uh, take out a pen or a, 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 a pencil and, and jot down some notes. Verse 12 there, For who knoweth what is good for man in this life? God knows what's good for us in this life. Well, left to ourselves, uh, before you got saved, did you make any wise choices? I, I got to pick and choose uh, my choices for 31 years. And even under the guidance of my mom and dad, who are very moral people, not saved, but very moral people, I made some stupid choices. But who knoweth what is good for man in this life? We as Christians, we know what is best. Proverbs, uh, excuse me, Psalm 27, 11. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path. When the Lord began to direct me into the ministry, I, I, I said, Lord, I want to know for sure that this is of you. That I, I, I don't have, I'm 31, I don't have time to be fooling around and making wrong choices and everything. I said, I want you to make my path as plain as a white line down a blacktop road. That's pretty plain. God has done that, not only from the time that he put me into the ministry, but as he's led our family, as, we, as he's led us into the ministry, as we've had choices that we had to make. Lord, should we continue to rent or should we buy a house? Lord, make it plain as a white line down a blacktop road. And give me some, how does he do that? Not just, God gave me this thought. No, God gives me scripture. I you know, we've talked about this before. When Jeremy was trying to decide whether he was supposed to go to Hawaii or he was supposed to come out here, he said, Dad, I'm not sure what to do. I said, read your Bible. It's in your Bible. The good, thing, the good news is Hawaii and uh, Auburn, New York are not in the Bible. But you'll know when you read it that that's where you're supposed to be. And that's uh, God gave him Scripture. It's a principle I've tried to teach every one of our children. Lead me in a plain path. Psalm 37, 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Who delighteth in his, in his way? Both. God delights when we follow him and make the right choices, and we can rejoice. He delighteth in his way. You want to please God? You hear it preached all the time. You hear it talked about all the time. We as parents, we say it to our children all the time. Obey God. Now, there's times when it's difficult some things are very, very clear in the scriptures. But some things are they're kind of a gray area. Sometimes, what, what would God be pleased with? What the, did, can, did, can you come up with some Bible verses for principles to be able to guide your decisions? Ecclesiastes 2.26 For God giveth to man that is good in his sight wisdom, knowledge, and joy. God knows what's best for us. We, we find ourselves in life because it's life. We find ourselves in some difficult situations, in, in job changes, in uh, a, a surprise pregnancy, in not having a pregnancy, in, uh, in uh, a plant closing down. I mean, uh, the, the car died, and, and uh, we, we've made these plans, and now what are we supposed to do? 
I've, I've even, I didn't pray over the one that we've got now. I've even prayed for a specific color of car. I would not pick on purpose a pea soup green car. <laughs> I prayed about the car, not the color that time. And so that's what we, that's what we have out there. I've had, I've had total strangers walk up to us. Ladies, all, only one guy, one time. Ladies, walk up to us, Cheryl and I, in the parking lot. I love, I just love the color of that car. Great. <laughs> Not one I would have picked, but it, it, had the, it had the engine and the equipment that I, that I wanted on it. God knows what's best for us, and if we stay in our Bible and we're paying attention, he will continue to lead us and guide us. You don't have to wait for the crisis to happen to say, Lord, I, I, I really need an answer. I, I, I need you to make this plain as a white line uh, down a blacktop, uh, blacktop road, you know, uh, and, I, and I need it by Friday. If we are paying attention when we're reading our Bible, he will continue to guide us and instruct us as we go through. Bible reading is great, but what are you getting out of your Bible reading? There's all kinds of things in there if we will just take time to think about what it is that we read. And he will give us information, instruct. Uh, what does it say there in uh, Ecclesiastes 2.26? He, uh, he knows what is good for man in his sight, wisdom, knowledge, and joy. We sing there's joy in serving Jesus, but there is joy in knowing that God is involved in our life and giving us the direction uh, that we need. For who knoweth what is good for man in this life all the days of his vain life? He spendeth as a shadow. There is nothing to a shadow. I mean, I can, standing up here, I, I actually have a couple of shadows because I've got several. You can, it, it's always fun with the little grandkids trying to get them to step on their, step on their shadow. There is no substance to a shadow, okay? Uh, we spend our life foolishly on so many things. Uh, right now, the Green Bay Packers are playing. You don't care, but I've got a little bit of interest in it, and uh, I honestly, <laughs> confession is good for the law. I honestly thought about peeking to see what the score was before I walked up here while you were singing the last song. I didn't. <laughs> but we get so easily distracted by things at times. We get so easily drawn away. That doesn't mean we just live in our Bible and in our prayer closet and, you know, you live in the world, okay? You live in the world. So you don't have any choice. You've got no choice over the music that they're playing in the restaurant or they're playing at Walmart or whatever. It comes with the territory. You've got no ability to control that, okay, they finally got smoking out of most places, but you walk outside, <laughs> and all that stuff is bad for you. You've got no, we live in a wicked, ungodly world. But if we start out our day right in the Bible and we're reading it, paying attention, he will give us grace and mercy, not only from him for our life, but he'll give us grace and mercy in dealing with other people. It just drives me a little bit nuts that you can't have a, a decent conversation with somebody who believes something different than you do, speaking politically in, in, the, you know, in the big realm. You know, if you say you're a, a Republican, the Democrats just go all bananas. And to be quite honest, I've seen it in reverse also. 
let's have a little grace and mercy. There, there's, a, there's a point for standing up for right. But that standing up for right stands for God and his word and what we're supposed to be doing. Okay? Uh, who knoweth what is good for man in, in uh, this life, all the days of his, which he spendeth in his, of his vain life, which he spendeth as a shadow? And who can tell man what shall be after him under the sun? Uh, God leads us in, our, in that part of our life. David in Psalm 16, verse 11 says, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. I don't know if you will need this message down the road, but it's one of the reasons I said at least, at least jot down the Bible verses I take notes on every message that I hear, and so there are times that I say, you know, I've, this thing popped up or this conversation or whatever. The pastor preached about that a while back, and so I will flip through my notebook. There's several times when I've gone back to rehearse in my mind a message. I don't have to, I don't have to scroll through the multitude of messages there uh, that, are on, uh, that are on the Internet from, from our church. I can look in my notebook. And say, okay, here's some principles that the pastor laid out for us in this situation. The importance of not just reading our Bible, but actually practicing our Bible. How many messages do you hear a year? Where, where's uh, uh, Mr. Accountant? Not, he's not sitting in here. Uh, I'm bad with numbers. That's why I have a calculator on my phone. But there's 52 weeks out of the year, 52 times, and if you, you make it to Sunday school and morning service, 52 times 3 is more than 150. I figured that out. Uh, you know, and then, then we have special meetings and everything. So it, we, we, we probably, if you're halfway active in the church, you probably hear 200 messages a year. If I said, Sarah, give me the two messages that you made a major decision on that affected your life. You'd have to sit there and say, nah, I can come up with one you know, right away. So does that mean that the other 198 made no benefit? There, there was nothing to it? You know, and I feel bad for pastors sometimes because they, they study, they prepare, they pray over the messages, and uh, they, they give them out, and then you wonder, did anything happen? <laughs> you know, uh, now, I, I, am, I am very impressed. I am amazed at all the people that come to the altar at this church. It's, that's highly unusual. Most people, don't, uh, most people don't make a decision, much less even think about pretending like they're coming down to make a decision like maybe a couple of the younger children do. But how much does the preaching of the Word of God affect you personally? I'm not listening. I, I, I do listen for Cheryl sometimes when we had the children. Occasionally I would listen for the children. We sit in the, uh, we sit in the center section and we sit in, uh, in the, the fifth row from the back. So we do have some visitors occasionally that sit near the front. Most visitors sit in the, sit in the back. Nothing against any of you that are sitting in the back. I realize that's your normal spot. But... Uh, I, I do sometimes, when, when I see some visitors that, that are over here or sitting in our pew, I start listening to the message for them. 
Okay, what, what is it that they're hearing? Are they hearing the same thing that pastor is saying? You, you ever heard something, but you didn't get it right? <laughs> Welcome to being married. <laughs> but I come to church to listen for myself. Speak to me, O oh Lord. I don't... I don't eat breakfast on, pers- uh, uh, on purpose on Sunday morning. I, I'm not a big breakfast eater to begin with. But several years ago, back when I was, you know, lots of years ago, back when I was in Bible college, Pastor Weiss taught us about being prepared for the morning service. And so I thought, you know what, instead of eating breakfast, I'm going I'm to use that time to fast. Lord, I'm going to prepare myself to come into your presence as my pastor is preaching, to be able to hear your word speak to my heart. Lord, speak to me. Thy servant heareth. And I've, I've kept that principle all the way through. I'm not saying that you need to do that, but when you come to church, are you listening on purpose? Are, and that's part of the reason that I take notes. It helps me focus on what's being said. <sighs> Sorry, rambled on a little bit there. Uh, who knoweth what is good for man in this life? Uh, and who can tell him what shall be after him, un, uh, after him under the sun? Uh, hold your finger here and turn over to Psalm 39. All the days of his life. You, you know these verses. If you've been hung around me, I've quoted them to you several times over the last couple of years. Psalm 39 should have put a marker in here, sorry. Psalm 39, verse 4. Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days and what it is, that I may know how frail I am. Now that I've reached 71 and Cheryl's reached something else, we are beginning to realize we're getting frail. I'm, I'm not... Uh, I'm not comfortable going up on a two-story, uh, a two-story house to do shingling anymore. I, I don't like getting up on top of a ladder anymore. Uh, my, my security, my, my I'm a man, we can do this. Those days are starting to fade. I'm, I'm starting to feel like a, uh, I'm not feeling old and feeble, but I'm realizing I'm not as young as I used to be, that I may know how frail I am. Make me to know the end Make me to know mine end and to measure my days. How do you know that until you go to the doctor and he says, you've got cancer. And you get that shock of, now what? How, I mean, what, what's the first question? How serious is this? What, what is the situation here? You know, you, you're looking for some kind of hope. Uh, b- verse 5, Behold, thou hast made my days as a handbreadth. No, a handbreadth, that, that's... That's all the bigger that it is. If, if, if this was uh, from time began until uh, the, Jesus takes us all out of here, <laughs> a hand breath. And, and I think this is an exaggeration. That's not a whole lot. It, it'd probably more, be more like a line, just one little skinny line in, in the history of the world. Very short time. When I turned, it didn't bother me to turn 60. It bothered Cheryl to turn 60. Uh, was it 60 or 50? You're, you're, you're too old. How did, how did they go? Speak up. 
You t- and that was when you were 50? That's what somebody, oh, you, you didn't think that. Yeah. When I turned 70, I said, that's old. I, I don't care how you say it. That's old. I don't feel old. I feel slower, but I don't feel old. But I, you know, we're, I don't know about you. Are the, are the Corys having the discussion yet? This is probably the last refrigerator we'll ever buy. <laughs> this is the last mattress we will ever buy. I'm not saying that about the car or the van because they wear out faster than refrigerators and everything. But it, it, drive, it, drives, it drives Heather, our daughter Heather, it drives her crazy. Don't, Dad, don't talk about it. Heather, our days are numbered and we're 70. We, we, as we continue on down here, uh, Behold, thou hast made my days as a handbreadth, mine age is as nothing before thee. Verily, every man at his best state is altogether vanity. Selah. Turn over to uh, uh, turn over to Psalm ninety, Psalm ninety, verse ten. I've quoted this a multitude of times to my children. The days of our years are threescore and ten. That's seventy. Yes, I have arrived at that. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, I'm shooting for eighty. Don't tell me I've got one foot in the grave. I tell that to our salt and light people all the time. But I, I don't have one foot in the grave. I've slowed down, and maybe my foot is rusting, but I'm shooting for at least 80. My mother lived to be 83. My grandmother lived to be 100. I don't want to go the way that she did because she knew absolutely nobody or nothing that last year of her life as she was living in the nursing home. But I'm, I'm saying, Lord... It appears that you've given me good genes. I eat all this junk food. I eat donuts. I drink Mountain Dew for a living. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, other than an occasional heart arrhythmia or something like that because of too much caffeine, the Lord has given me good health to the age of 70. We have, we have been to five or six funerals of people younger than we are in the last year and a half. I've been I've been blessed with good genes, and so Lord, I, I realize, Lord, please let me have, let me have eighty, uh, even if I'm not full time ministry. Let me have eighty good years, and then we'll discuss what's what's going to take place after that. Uh, all of, and it goes on back here in Ecclesiastes. For who can tell a man what shall be after him under the sun? Romans fourteen eleven says, as it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us will give an account of himself to God. Hebrews 6.10 For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. That's kind of both ends of the spectrum. For the the lost and for the saved, that every knee is going to bow, and every tongue is going to confess but he's not going to forget our labor that we've done for him. We could look over here and say, you know, I've got, I've got some real carnal spots in my life, some real worldly spots in my life that I'm going to have to give account to. But over here he says, I'm going to reward you. I'm going to reward you for the times that you serve me. For, and, and you probably don't think of it this way. I, I honestly believe the people who take and invest their time to be able to learn to play a piano or an instrument for church services and for special music, you're going to, God, God pays attention to that. 
I, I think there's a reward for, for you giving up your time to be able to sing in the choir. It's not just for the pastor. It's not just for the youth guy. It's for the Sunday school teachers. It's for those tracks that you pass. If he talks about, if you give a cup of cold water in my name, he gets recognition for that. What do you think he's going to do when he says, you know, well done. You sat there and you learned to play the piano to the place where you actually got to the place where you were able to play in church. I think he's not going to forget that. It's not just all soul winning and leading people to Christ. It's what do we do with our everyday, regular life that he's paying attention to. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work, and your labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, in that ye ministered to the saints and do minister. I'm going to make a big deal out of it because there are not men, many men piano players. But that blessed my heart tonight. For a young man to say, I'm, I'm going to learn. Uh, how willingly was that? <laughs> We all know that for children to learn to play an instrument, there has to be some provocation sometimes. You will practice for at least a half hour and everything. But the end results, we know the benefit of them investing that time. On a, on a couple of the campaigns that we've had, <clears throat> nothing recently, but we've had, we've had somebody that played an accordion. Boy, there's a challenge. But, that should be easy. It's just, it's not even, it's, it's like a quarter of a piano on one hand and just a few buttons on the other end. Yeah, we'll try that. <laughs> was a lot harder than what I thought it was going to be. We've had people that have, have brought their violins. Miss Joy brought her penny flute and did a couple specials. Now, she wasn't out on the street with her penny flute, but she, uh, d- during one of the Sunday services that we had, we had everybody together, and I almost think for one of the devotions that Miss Joy played her penny flute. In our everyday life, how can we put God first and be spiritually involved where he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You have another good day instead of... (laughs) Let me tell you about my day that I just had. I've had way too many. I, I, don't, want to, I don't want any more of those bad days. I, I, I don't know how well I'm going to, I'm, if I'm going to get that well done, though, good and faithful servant, but I at least want to give it a running chance at saying, well, at least you didn't mess up that day. At least you didn't get upset that day. At least you didn't holler at somebody that day. At least you didn't throw a brick through the car. You didn't set the car on fire that time. Who, the principle here that I saw that that I'm trying to lay out here for you is who comes before what? Things, Hebrews 6, 9 talks about it. Things that accompany salvation in just the normal, everyday Christian and his life. One of the things that blessed me here recently, we were down with Jeremiah and Katie, our youngest daughter and son-in-law, and uh, she said, Dad... I have struggled with Bible reading all of my life up until about a year ago. I said, well, I'm glad to hear what. I said, what happened? And she said, 
I, I just felt bad that here I am, and I don't remember how old she is. I, I'm this old, and for me, just reading my Bible every day, not just in the morning, Dad, just, just reading my Bible every day, it, it was just a challenge. And so I got to thinking about it, and I, I told the Lord, I said, don't let me go to sleep or have any rest until I've read my Bible. Well, that's radical. <laughs> that's radical. She said, now there has been a few days where I laid down to pillow my head at the end of, end of the day, and it was a long day with homeschooling and the children and every, all the activities and everything that was going on. But she said, God wouldn't let me go to sleep. I had to get up at, at uh, 11.30 and read my Bible. She said, through that, now he's helped me to be much more faithful in reading my Bible in the morning than at night. There's nothing rejoices a parent's heart or a grandparent's heart when you hear a testimony like that about, I put God first. Who comes before what? He comes before my regular everyday life. Who comes before what in our decision making? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding in all thy ways. Acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. In setting priorities, turn to Colossians chapter 3. In setting our priorities, how, where does, how does who come before what in setting priorities? Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians chapter 3 over here and uh, beginning in, in verse 1. If ye, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the throne, the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, that's the who, not on things of the earth, that's the what. Help my focus to be more spiritually minded than earthly minded. Help me to, to and I used this the, the, uh, the other day, uh, you know, what would Jesus do in this situation? Help me to be focused on how can I be a good witness? How can I be a good testimony? How can I put God first in my life when it comes to meal preparation, in raising and teaching and training the children, on my job? Who comes before what? Setting your uh, priorities in, 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 uh, in daily life. Even in the model prayer, our Father, uh, it talks about our Father which art in heaven, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Then, after all that praying comes, give us. Forgive us, lead us, deliver us. Even in the model prayer, he goes to the Father first, and then he gets down to our daily life that we might have the right and proper order, and then closes for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. The power to live a spiritual life. Who comes before what in seeking wisdom? Jeremiah 33.3, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things thou knowest not. You don't have to be in a crisis. You don't have to have a situation arise to be able to call out to him for wisdom. Lord, uh, I'm not sure what to do about this. There are times where I've actually prayed about the route. Lord, which route should I take to get to such and such a de uh, destination? Now, I don't do that every day. Uh, I don't do that when I'm on my way to the grocery store or to the barber shop or something like that. I probably should do more of it. Uh, on the, uh, we were eating lunch. Uh, they had a lunch at, 
at church uh, where we were this morning, and the lady that was sitting kind of kitty corner from me at the table said, I was late to church because there was an accident that took place right in front of me. She said, I wasn't involved, but this guy came, he ran a red light and hit this van, and the van spun around, and I was able to get around the van. She could have been involved in that. I think we far too lightly just get in the van, just get in the car, just get in the truck, and we go. When we start on, when Cheryl and I start on a trip, we pray. We, before we backed all the way out of the driveway, I stop and I say, Lord, help us to be, give us safety as we travel and help us to be a blessing and an encouragement. And then we'll talk about folks like you or the Dunbars or wherever. That, 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 our time, that our time is not, hey, man, wasn't that a great day? That was an excellent missions cover. No, we, we, we want to be a blessing. We want to be a help. I, I enjoy, I've enjoyed having uh, Sarah and Joy uh, sit down in the living room with the old people and uh, just, just share what's, what's kind of going on with their lives. And some of it is just chatter between, between the two of them. But that's a blessing to me in hearing that it's not just all about, let's, you know, the dog needs to go for a walk. It's what God is doing in their life. Things that they're thinking about, things that they're praying about, things, joy, getting ready to go to the, go to the Philippines again. In seeking wisdom, in serving. Uh, in the, who comes before what? In serving. Psalm 90, verse 17. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us, and establish thou the work of of our hands upon us, yea, the work of our hands, establish thou it. How frustrating is it at the end of a day, or the end of a week, or the end of the year, and you say, I don't know if I accomplished anything. It's even more frustrating when it's on the spiritual realm, and you say, I don't know if I really accomplished anything for God. That should never be at the end of the year. Establish thou the work of our hands. If, if I want him to establish thou the work of my hands, you need to guide me in my, in my decisions and in my setting priorities and in seeking wisdom that the things that I do and the things that I get involved in are pleasing unto the Lord. That, that I'm not looking for a reward. I'm looking to please the Lord that when, I get, when something is done, something was accomplished. When we came back from the, uh, this, this trip to the Ukraine, I felt not only did we accomplish getting out 79,000 plus John Romans and invitations out into the city of 2 million people, but it was a, kind of a small accomplishment, but that's what the Lord allowed us. But we saw several people come to the preaching service. We saw, we saw uh, not a lot, but we saw around 10 people that got saved. We saw several people and have read about uh, through the uh, Internet, uh, uh, people that are now coming to the Bible study and coming to the church service, yes, my time was not just wasted. Th those crabby people out there that were slapping the John Romans, that were saying, yet, that were unkind and ungracious as I tried to give them a portion of the Word of God, some of them actually received it. Some of them actually responded. It, it was worth it. It was worth every crabby old lady that was out there on the street shaking her finger at me and saying some very unspiritual things, I'm sure. But I didn't know what she said, so it didn't bother me that bad. Turn your Bible to, uh, to, to uh, Luke chapter 10. Seeking wisdom and serving. Even in this, we have to be very careful and, uh, and say, Lord, just, just you know, kind of direct my steps, direct me what it is that I'm supposed to be doing. Luke chapter 10. 
Luke chapter 10, it was in here this morning. Uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into, the, into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet. I've got that underlined in my Bible. And heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister had left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful, or full of care, and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary had chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Would it have been a big help if Mary would have been part of the servant? There's, uh, I don't know how many people were in the house, obviously a bunch of them. I don't know whether there was food somewhat prepared ahead of time or Martha was having to fix a bunch of stuff. But sometimes, sometimes, it's better to just sit down, take a deep breath, and spend some time in the Bible or time in prayer and to hear from God. That doesn't mean you say, oh, there's a special activity. Well, uh, we have to sit up, uh, we have to sit up the, the, the building next door. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to be fasting and praying during that time. <laughs> you don't use it as an excuse. Uh, oh, we have to take all the tables down and put the chairs away? Well, I'm sorry. Uh, it, oh, look at that. It's 9 o'clock. I need to go to the Lord and pray. We don't use sitting in front of Jesus or spending some time with the Lord in our Bible or in prayer or, or whatever in an excuse to get out of serving. Uh, we're supposed to be serving. We're supposed to be serving. That, that's how the, the world recognizes us is we're supposed to be like Christ. We're, we're little, you know, we're, we're servants of God. But don't get your service. Sometimes people are so busy serving that they don't take the time for the Lord that they need to. Who comes before what, even in our serving? And then uh, the last, uh, I've got two left. In, in sacrifice, look at Luke chapter 18. We're already in Luke, just flip over a couple of pages. Luke chapter 18. Kind of preaching to the choir on this one, but uh, y'all showed up, so... Luke chapter 18, verse 28. Then Peter said, Lo, we have left all and followed thee. And he said unto them, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house, or parents, or brethren, or wife, or children, for the kingdom's sake, that's who, who shall not receive manifold more in this, pres in this present time and in the world to come, life everlasting. Keep your priorities right in, uh, in your sacrifice that you do. Uh, we don't hear it much because, for the most part, we live in the States and we do a lot of... We, we, we don't go through the same struggles and difficulties as Jason and Heather Brennisville did in Zambia, Africa. Or Jeff and Helen and Jeffrey have gone through in... Uh, in Belarus, where they're wrestling with the, uh, the wrestling with the government to be able to get their visas and, and all those kind of things, and every once in a while I'll hear somebody say, "I just I really appreciate your sacrifice," 
And it is, to a certain extent, it is a sacrifice. Because they're not home with the family during Thanksgiving. They're not together with the family at Christmas time. Uh, they, they, don't, they don't get to see the children in the Christmas program and things like that. But virtually every one that I've ever heard somebody make the statement to that, they say, it's a small thing. It's a small thing. Let me tell you what God is doing where we live. And then the last one, who comes before what in salvation? Turn to Hebrews 9.27. In salvation, I am assuming that everybody in here might be saved, but I'm not positive. But this is a a rather strong, eye-opening verse was uh, for me, even since since I've been saved, Hebrews 10 and verse 27 But a certain fearful, well, let's start in verse 26. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. But a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. keeping the proper balance, recognizing that we can spend willfully our time on things that are of no profit. And then you get over to the verse, uh, it is appointed unto man once to die. And after this, the judgment. We're all going to stand before the Lord and give an account. It's not Cheryl and I walking up hand in hand down the primrose, primrose path to meet Jesus as he says, ah, oh, So glad you guys finally made it. No, each and every one of us is going to end up standing before the Lord. In my mind, I don't see myself standing. I have a feeling. When I get to heaven and I'm face to face, I'm going to be flat prostrate before the Lord. And I'm hoping that my sorrow and my brokenheartedness of all the things that I should have done don't overwhelm me. I hope that I'm not an embarrassment to my Lord because I lived a somewhat spiritual life. We're all going to stand individually and give an account. Romans 14.11 says, For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. To God, so then every one of us shall give an account for himself. That's just a handful of, I, I probably have 40 different verses where to me when I read it, I see the who comes before the what. As we live in this wicked and ungodly world, in this time of trials and troubles, it's, it's life. It's just life. There's some things we have absolutely no control over. Matter of fact, if you think you have control, just try calling the neighbor's dog over and <laughs> taking care of the... We, we've got control over very little. But we can on purpose try and put God first in every one of our areas of life if we just do it on purpose. If we actually... Think about it. Now that means 
probably starting out our day in the Bible. I'm not saying that we need to be like Job, where Job went before the Lord every day and prayed for his children, but that would probably would be a good thing. I'm just saying, let's really attempt at putting him first in every area of our life. Father, I thank you for this time you've given to us to look at your word. Lord, would you bring forth fruit and fruit that remains? We all know these principles. We all know these verses. We all have heard messages on each and every one of these. And yet, Lord, I need to be reminded myself that sometimes I just get way too busy and you're just a small part of my life and not a big focus in my life to keep me spiritually minded on the right track and looking for ways to please you. Ask, Lord, that you would uh, guide and direct in our invitation time now. We thank you for this time of fellowship, the time around the Bible, the time of singing today, and the special music. Lord, we thank you for your goodness, for your mercy, and for your love. In Christ's name I pray. Pastor.